Section 8 of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 3. The Great Explorers and Travelers of the 19th Century by Jules Verne first part chapter two part one the exploration and colonization of africa one petty and campbell in the sudan ritchie and Lyon in fezzan denham Oudine and clapperton in fezzan and in the tibu country lake chad and its tributaries kaukka and the chief villages of bornu mandara a razia or raid in the falata country defeat of the arabs and death of bu kalum logan death of tul en route for cano death of udne cano sakatu sultan bello return to europe the power of napoleon and with it the supremacy of france was scarcely overthrown the titanic contests to gratify the ambition of one man at the expense of the intellectual progress of humanity were scarcely at an end before an honorable rivalry awoke once more and new scientific and commercial expeditions were set on foot a new era had commenced foremost in the ranks of the governments which organized and encouraged exploring expeditions we find as usual that of england it was in central africa the vast riches of which had been hinted at in the accounts given of their travels by horniman and burckhardt that the attention of the english was now concentrated as early as eighteen sixteen major Pedy, starting from senegal reached kakande on the river nunez succumbing however to the fatigue of the journey and unhealthiness of the climate soon after his arrival in that town major campbell succeeded him in the command of the expedition and crossed the lofty mountains of futat jalion losing in a few days several men and part of the baggage animals arrived at the headquarters of the al mamey as most of the kings of this part of africa are called the expedition was detained for a long time and only obtained permission to depart on payment of a large sum most disastrous was the return journey for the explorers had not only to recross the streams they had before forded with such difficulty but they were subjected to so many insults annoyances and exactions that to put an end to them campbell was obliged to burn his merchandise break his guns and sink his powder against so many fatigues and mortifications added to the complete failure of his expedition major campbell failed to bear up and he died with several of his officers in the very place where major Pedy had closed his career the few survivors of the party reached sierra leone after an arduous march a little later ritchie and captain george francis Lyon, availing themselves of the prestige which the siege of algiers had brought to the british flag and of the cordial relations which the english consul at tripoli had succeeded in establishing with the principal moorish authorities determined to follow horniman's route and penetrate to the very heart of africa on the twenty fifth march eighteen nineteen the travellers left tripoli with mohammed el mukni 
bey of fezan who is called sultan by his subjects protected by this escort ritchie and leon reached merzouk without molestation but there the former died on the second november worn out by the fatigue and privations of the journey across the desert leon who was ill for some time from the same causes recovered soon enough to foil the designs of the sultan who counting on his death had already begun to take possession of his property and also of ritchie's the captain could not penetrate beyond the southern boundaries of fezan but he had time to collect a good deal of valuable information about the chief towns of that province and the language of its inhabitants to him we likewise owe the first authentic details of the religion customs language and extraordinary costumes of the tauric arabs a wild tribe inhabiting the great sahara desert captain leon's narrative also contains a good deal of interesting information collected by himself on bornu waday and the sudan although he was unable to visit those places in person the results obtained did not by any means satisfy the english government which was most eager to open up the riches of the interior to its merchants consequently the authorities received favorably the proposals made by dr walter Oudinet, a scotchman whose enthusiasm had been aroused by the travels of mungo park this dr Oudinet was a friend of hugh clapperton a lieutenant in the navy three years his senior who had distinguished himself in canada and elsewhere but had been thrown out of employment and reduced to half pay by the peace of eighteen fifteen hearing of Oudinet's scheme clapperton at once determined to join him in it and Oudinet begged the minister to allow him the aid of that enterprising officer whose special knowledge would be of great assistance lord bathurst made no objection and the two friends after receiving minute instructions embarked for tripoli where they ascertained that major denham was to take the command of their expedition denham was born in london on the thirty first december seventeen eighty three and began life as an articled pupil to a country lawyer as the attorney's clerk he found his duties so irksome and so little suited to his daring spirit that his longing for adventure soon led him to enlist in a regiment bound for spain until eighteen fifteen he remained with the army but after the peace he employed his leisure in visiting france and italy denham eager to obtain distinction had chosen the career which would best enable him to achieve it even at the risk of his life and he now resolved to become an explorer with him to think was to act he had asked the minister to commission him to go to timbuktu by the route laying afterwards took when he heard of the expedition under clapperton and Oudinet, and he now begged to be allowed to join them without any delay denham obtained the necessary equipment and accompanied by a carpenter named william hillman he embarked for malta joining his future travelling companions at tripoli on the twenty first november eighteen twenty one the english at this time enjoyed very great prestige not only in the states of barbary on account of the bombardment of algiers but also because the british consul at tripoli had by his clever diplomacy established friendly relations with the government to which he was accredited this prestige extended beyond the narrow range of the northern states the nationality of certain travellers the protection accorded by england to the port the british victories in india had all been vaguely rumoured even in the heart of africa and the name of englishman was familiar without any particular meaning being attached to it 
according to the english consul the route from tripoli to bornu was as safe as that from london to edinburgh this was therefore the moment to seize opportunities which might not occur again the three travellers after a cordial reception from the bee who placed all his resources at their disposal lost no time in leaving tripoli and with an escort provided by the moorish governor they reached merzouk the capital of Fezan, on the eighth april eighteen twenty two without difficulty having indeed been received with great enthusiasm in some of the places through which they passed at sakna denham tells us the governor came out to meet them accompanied by the principal inhabitants and hundreds of the country people who crowded round their horses kissing their hands with every appearance of cordiality and delight and shouting inglesi inglesi as the visitors entered the town this welcome was the more gratifying from the fact that the travellers were the first europeans to penetrate into africa without wearing a disguise denham adds that he feels sure their reception would have been far less cordial had they stooped to play the part of impostors by attempting to pass from mohammedans at merzouk they were harassed by annoyances similar to those which had paralyzed horniman in their case however circumstances and character were alike different and without allowing themselves to be blinded by the compliments paid them by the sultan the english who were thoroughly in earnest demanded the necessary escort for the journey to bornu it was impossible they were told to start before the following spring on account of the difficulty of collecting a kafila or caravan and the troops necessary for its escort across the desert a rich merchant however boo bakarboo kaloum by name a great friend of the pacha gave the explorers a hint that if he received certain presents he would smooth away all difficulties he even offered to escort them himself to bornu for which province he was bound if he could obtain the necessary permission from the pacha of tripoli denham believing bukalum to be acting honestly went off to tripoli to obtain the governor's sanction but on his arrival there he obtained only evasive answers and finally threatened to embark for england where he said he would report the obstacles thrown in his way by the pacha in carrying out of the objects of the exploring expedition these menaces produced no effect and denham actually set sail and was about to land at marseilles when he received a satisfactory message from the bee begging him to return and authorizing boo kaloum to accompany him and his companions on the thirtieth october denham rejoined oudinay and clapperton at merzouk finding them considerably weakened by fever and the effects of the climate denham convinced that change of air would restore them to health persuaded them to start and begin the journey by easy stages he himself set out on the twentieth of november with a caravan of merchants from Mizurta, tripoli sakna and merzouk escorted by two hundred and ten arab warriors chosen from the most intelligent and docile of the tribes and commanded by bukalum the expedition took the route followed by lyon and soon reached tegary which is the most southerly town of Fezan, and the last before the traveller enters the desert of bilma denham made a sketch of the castle of tegary from the southern bank of a salt lake near the town tegary is entered by a low narrow vaulted passage leading to a gate in a second rampart the wall is pierced with apertures which render the entrance by the narrow passage very difficult 
above the second gate there is also an aperture through which darts and firebrands may be hurled upon the besiegers a mode of warfare once largely indulged in by the arabs inside the town there are wells of fairly good water denham is of opinion that tegery restored well garrisoned and provisioned could sustain a long siege its situation is delightful it is surrounded by date trees and the water in the neighborhood is excellent a chain of low hills stretches away to the east snipes ducks and wild geese frequent the salt lakes near the town leaving tegery the travellers entered a sandy desert across which it would not have been easy to find the way had it not been marked out by the skeletons of men and animals strewn along it especially about the wells one of the skeletons we saw to-day says denham still looked quite fresh the beard was on the chin the features could be recognized it is my slave exclaimed one of the merchants of the kafila i left him near here four months ago make haste and take him to the market cried a facetious slave merchant lest someone else should claim him here and there in the desert are oases containing towns of greater or lesser importance at which the caravans halt kashi is one of the most frequented of these places and there the money for the right of crossing the desert is paid the sultan of kashi the ruler of a good many of these petty principalities and who takes the title of commander of the faithful was remarkable for a complete disregard of cleanliness a peculiarity in which according to denham his court fully equalled him this sultan paid bu kalum a visit in his tent accompanied by half a dozen taboos some of whom were positively hideous their teeth were of a dark yellow color the result of chewing tobacco of which they are so fond that they use it as snuff as well as to chew their noses look like little round bits of flesh stuck onto their faces with nostrils so wide that they could push their fingers right up them denham's watch compass and musical snuff-box astonished them not a little he defines these people as brutes with human faces a little further on the travellers reached the town of kirby situated in a wadi near the low range of hills of which the highest are not more than four hundred feet above the sea level and between two salt lakes produced by the excavations made for building from the centre of these lakes rise islets consisting of masses of muriate and carbonate of soda the salt produced by these wadis or depressions of the soil form an important article of commerce with Bornu and the whole of the Sudan. It would be impossible to imagine a more wretched place than Kirby. Its houses are empty, containing not as much as a mat. How could it be otherwise with a place liable to incessant raids from the Tuaricks? The caravan now crossed the Tibu country, inhabited by a peaceful, hospitable people, to whom, as keepers of the wells and reservoirs of the desert, the leaders of caravans pay passage money. The Tibus are a strong, active race, and when mounted on their nimble steeds, they display marvelous skill in throwing the lance, which the most vigorous of their warriors can hurl to a distance of 145 yards. Bilma is their chief city, and the residence of their sultan on the arrival of the travellers at bilma the sultan escorted by a number of men and women came out to meet the strangers 
the women were much better looking than those in the smaller towns some of them had indeed very pleasant faces their white regular teeth contrasting admirably with their shining black skins and the three triangular flaps of hair streaming with oil coral ornaments in their noses and large amber necklaces round their throats gave them what denham called a seductive appearance some of them carried fans made of grass or hair with which to keep off the flies others were provided with branches of trees all in fact carried something in their hands which they waved above their heads their costume consisted of a loose piece of sudan cloth fastened on the left shoulder and leaving the right uncovered with a smaller piece wound about the head and falling on the shoulders or flung back in spite of this paucity of clothing, there is not the least immodesty in their bearing. A mile from Bilma, and beyond a limpid spring, which appears to have been placed there by nature to afford a supply of water to travellers, lies a desert, which it takes no less than ten days to cross. This was probably once a huge salt lake. On the 4th February, 1823, the caravan reached Lari, a town on the northern boundary of Bornu, in latitude 14 degrees, 40 minutes north. The inhabitants, astonished at the size of the Kafila, fled in terror at its approach. Beyond, however, says Denham, was an object full of interest to us, and the sight of it produced a sensation so gratifying and inspiring that it would be difficult for language to convey an idea of its force or pleasure. The great Lake Chad, glowing with the golden rays of the sun in its strength, appeared to be within a mile of the spot on which we stood. On leaving Lari, the appearance of the country changed completely. The sandy desert was succeeded by a clay soil, clothed with grass and dotted with acacias and other trees of various species, amongst which grazed herds of antelopes, whilst guinea-fowls and the turtle-doves of Barbary flew hither and thither above them. Towns took the place of villages, with huts of the shape of bells, thatched with dura straw. The travellers continued their journey southwards, rounding Lake Chad, which they had first touched at its most northerly point. The districts bordering on this sheet of water were of a black, firm, but muddy soil. The waters rise to a considerable height in winter, and sink in proportion in the summer. The lake is of fresh water, rich in fish, and frequented by hippopotami and aquatic birds. Near its centre, on the southeast, are the islands inhabited by the Bidamas, a race who live by pillaging the people of the mainland. The explorers had sent a messenger to Sheikh el Kaname to ask permission to enter his capital, and an envoy speedily arrived to invite Bu Kalum and his companions to Kuka. On their way thither, the travellers passed through Burwa, a fortified town which had thus far resisted the inroads of the Tariks, and crossed the Yu, a large river, in some parts more than five hundred feet in width, which, rising in the Sudan, flows into Lake Chad. On the southern shores of this river rises a little town of the same name, about half the size of Burwa. The caravan soon reached the gates of Kauka, where, after a journey extending over two months and a half, they were received by a body of cavalry four thousand strong, under perfect discipline. Amongst these troops was a corps of blacks forming the bodyguard of the sheik, whose equipments resembled those of ancient chivalry. 
they wore denham tells us suits of chain armor covering the neck and shoulders these were fastened above the head and fell in two portions one in front and one behind so as to protect the flanks of the horse and the thighs of the rider a sort of cask or iron coif kept in its place by red white or yellow turbans tied under the chin completed the costume the horses heads were also guarded by iron plates their saddles were small and light and their steel stirrups held only the point of the feet which were clad in leather shoes ornamented with crocodile skin the horsemen managed their steeds admirably as advancing at full gallop brandishing their spears they wheeled right and left of their guests shouting barca barca blessing blessing surrounded by this brilliant and fantastic escort the english and arabs entered the town where a similar military display had been prepared in their honour they were presently admitted to the presence of sheikh el kaname who appeared to be about forty-five years old and whose face was prepossessing with a happy intelligent and benevolent expression the english presented the letters of the pacha and when the sheikh had read them he asked denham what had brought him and his companions to bornu we came merely to see the country replied denham to study the character of its people its scenery and its productions you are welcome was the reply it will be a pleasure to me to show you everything i have ordered huts to be built for you in the town you may go and see them accompanied by one of my people and when you are recovered from the fatigue of your long journey i shall be happy to see you the travellers soon afterwards obtained permission to make collections of such animals and plants as appeared to them curious and to make notes of all their observations they were thus enabled to collect a good deal of information about the towns near kauka kauka then the capital of bornu boasted of a market for the sale of slaves sheep oxen cheese rice earth nuts beans indigo and other productions of the country there one hundred thousand people might sometimes be seen haggling about the price of fish poultry meat the last sold both raw and cooked or that of brass copper amber and coral linen was so cheap in these parts that some of the men wore shirts and trousers made of it beggars have a peculiar mode of exciting compassion they station themselves at the entrance to the market and holding up the rags of an old pair of trousers they whine out to the passers-by see i have no pantaloons the novelty of this mode of proceeding and the request for a garment which seemed to them even more necessary than food made our travellers laugh heartily until they became accustomed to it hitherto the english had had nothing to do with any one but the sheik who content with wielding all real power left the nominal sovereignty to the sultan an eccentric monarch who never showed himself except through the bars of a wicker cage near the gate of his garden as if he were some rare wild beast curious indeed were some of the customs of this court not the least so the fancy for obesity no one was considered elegant unless he had attained to a bulk generally looked upon as very inconvenient some exquisites had stomachs so distended and prominent that they seemed literally to hang over the pommel of the saddle and in addition to this fashion prescribed a turban of such length and weight that its wearer had to carry his head on one side these uncouth peculiarities rivalled those of the turks of a masked ball and the travellers had often hard work to preserve their gravity 
to compensate however for the grotesque solemnity of the various receptions a new field for observation was open and much valuable information might now be acquired denham wished to proceed to the south at once but the sheik was unwilling to risk the lives of the travellers entrusted to him by the b of tripoli on their entry into borneu the responsibility of bu kaloum for their safety was transferred to him so earnest however were the entreaties of denham that el kanameh at last sanctioned his accompanying bu kaloum in a grazi or plundering expedition against the kafirs or infidels the sheik's army and the arab troops passed in succession yeti a large walled city twenty miles from angumu badagery and several other towns built on an alluvial soil which had a dark clay-like appearance they entered mandara at the frontier town of delo beyond which the sultan of the province with five hundred horsemen met his guests denham describes mohammed becker as a man of short stature about fifty years old wearing a beard painted of a most delicate azure blue the presentations over the sultan at once turned to denham and asked who he was whence he came what he wanted and lastly if he were a mohammedan on Bukalum's hesitating to reply the sultan turned away his head with the words so the pacha numbers infidels amongst his friends this incident had a very bad effect and denham was not again admitted to the presence of the sultan End of section 8